welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning, and welcome to episode 228 of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. This is Jessica. Thank you so much for tuning in today for today's incredible show. Today, I'm going to talk with the extraordinary Leah Lewis. Leah is an amazing mom of two little ones, including her son, Kai, who we're going to really focus on today in today's episode because he has a very rare disease called Cabeza Syndrome. After years of different doctors and testing and everything, they finally got that diagnosis of a very rare genetic disorder. And so even with that answer, there was still a lot of uncertainty. So today, we're going to talk about walking through uncertainty. We're going to talk about how to cope when there aren't answers readily available. We're going to talk about inch stones and milestones and adapting your perspective that wherever your child is right now is okay. We're going to talk about how she responds to other moms at the park and kind of brainstorm together some ways to chat with other moms and other children where we're trying to help our kids to engage in that type of play. And I have a big aha moment about my typical kids and the role that they can play in supporting other children with special needs. She's an incredible, incredible mom. I can't wait for you to hear her story. So let's get to it with Leah Lewis. All right. I want to welcome to the show Leah Lewis today. Hey, Leah. Hi, Jessica. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I have loved your podcast ever since my friend Carolyn Ruiz, who introduced um, my story to you. Mm-hmm. Um, she told me about your podcast, and I have just been loving the conversations that you have, and especially including um, many of the moms of special needs children in those conversations. It's, it means a lot, so thank you for that. Thank you so much for saying that. That really is my goal, and I just think it is so validating to feel like you're not alone as a mom. Even if you don't have a child with special needs, hearing stories of women parenting children with special needs, it gives you a great perspective in terms of, you know, what your friends might be going through or how to view the kids at the park differently and stuff. I love having these conversations just provoke new thoughts and new understanding. Absolutely, and that's really probably what I'll talk about a lot today is just that feeling of, I think all moms along our journey can feel so lonely. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. It's, you know, there's definitely a sense, you know, from day to day that you are in the trenches sometimes all by yourself. And, you know, I just think it's so important for us to hear other stories of other parents who we can relate to and also those who have a different story to share than our Mm. own. Um, you know, I just have gained so much, um, from the community that I've built over the journey of my motherhood. Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to even describe how much that's meant to me. Yeah. It's truly invaluable having those people in your corner. Well, for people that may not know you, Leah, will you just give a little bit of a background on your family? Yes, I am a mother of two 
wonderful kids. Um, I have my son Kai who just turned five in February and I have a daughter Isla who is, um, two and a half, almost three. We were just saying our kids are very uh, close, right? The same yes. Age. Um, t- about to turn three. So we are really in very busy, 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 um, childhood, uh, stage of the game mm-hmm. um we just came off of spring break so I think as many parents out there can relate oh my goodness I'm really happy everybody's getting back into school <laughs> kids just do better with routine it's not a matter of wanting them away from you it's just a matter of the routine yes. and the consistency I think I do too and I think we all like to have you know interactions outside of just our family system too I think that the kids just love being in school I know Kai especially he just lights up when he gets to his preschool that's so fun I just love seeing my kids thrive at school I bet you do too so tell me about your son Kai he actually is diagnosed with a rare um, genetic disorder Um, it's called Cabeza syndrome. There are very few cases that are known, um, in really in the world. There's a lot probably that are not diagnosed or that, um, maybe have not, I've not been able to connect with or are not in the literature or connected to a greater network. Um, but right now, Um, We know of very few cases, and um, it causes some disabilities, global developmental delays, um, intellectual disability, and um, he's had uh, quite a journey. We both have been on, um, you know, really since since his birth, and especially after age one, um, when we really started realizing that... um, something was different about kinds and that he um, we were definitely needing to look deeper into the cause of some of the delays that he had hey everyone sorry to interrupt and i hope you're enjoying my conversation with leah but i wanted to thank one of our show sponsors and that is sunbasket sunbasket delivers delicious meal kits right to your door making healthy cooking easy and convenient for any lifestyle As a busy mom of three little boys who always seem to want the same thing again and again, sandwiches, cereal, and mac and cheese, I want to put something healthy on their plates, and Sunbasket makes that possible. All these 30-minute recipes using organic produce delivered weekly, yep, sign me up. There are 18 healthy options to choose from every week, including paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, and vegan. And they work with the very best farms to bring you the best fresh produce and responsibly raised meats. Everything's pre-measured and easy to prep, and you can have the meal on the table in 30 minutes. So go to sunbasket.com EMP today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com EMP for $35 off sunbasket.com slash EMP. Thank you so much to Sunbasket for sponsoring this podcast. Now let's get back to my conversation with Leah. Yeah, so what were you noticing? And at about what age did you start to notice these delays? And when did they become even more of a concern? You know, it's really interesting because for the first year, really, of his life, I mean, I had a pretty 
uneventful pregnancy. I went older mom. I got, I sort of just started a family later in life. I just was really lucky, really. I mean, just hearing so many people's stories of, of challenges with fertility and especially, you know, advanced maternal age, as they say, it's like mm-hmm. so horrifying to like, <laughs> when you're that advanced maternal age mom to hear those words. But, um, you know, it was, I got pregnant fairly easily and the pregnancy was, was wonderful, pretty uneventful. I really enjoyed being pregnant, um, with him and the birth was, I had actually planned on having a natural birth and we had a little bit of a scare at the hospital with, um, the cord wrapped around his neck. They thought they were going to have to do a cesarean. So I ended up having an epidural, but the birth was, um, very quick and they once I delivered him, the cord wrapped around his neck, he was sort of whisked away from me, which, you know, it's one of those things I think so many mothers have experienced this, you know, with various degrees of, um, concern, um, for the newborn, but it's that feeling of like, no, (laughs) don't take my baby away from me. Luckily, I just sent my husband, you know, along. I was like, no, I'm fine. Just go. I was left in the room actually by myself for like probably a good half hour. I was like laying there just wondering what was going on. Um, And other than he'd, you know, sort of aspirated meconium and he seemed to not be able to latch when I was nursing or to take, we had to like feed him almost like a baby bird because he was having a hard time eating. And at that time, we didn't think of anything. We just thought it was kind of, you know, part of the birth trauma. But he got to go home after a few days. And other than that, it was really, he was such a sweet, easygoing newborn. And now after I've had my daughter, I realize how, <laughs> how lucky I had and how easy he, going he was. He just was very peaceful, quiet, um, he just took everything in. He had these, you know, has these big, beautiful eyes that just would, uh, you could gaze into, you know, as a new mom for hours upon hours. And I, um, I felt like very peaceful about the being a new mother. Um, it was really, Gosh, probably not until about nine months. Again, we had some feeding issues. I had difficulty nursing him, and um, he he was going into like failure to thrive mode. Again, those medical terms that they use that just like shake us to our very core of fear. Failure mm. to thrive. Like here's I'm this new mom <laughs> for the first time. And I hear my son is failing to thrive. You just feel like, oh my gosh, I am terrible. What am I doing? I'm, you know, the worst mom ever. So uh, but hard. that was when we started to realize there was some some issues with GI stuff going on with him. They couldn't really understand why he wasn't able to gain weight. We started to supplement some things. And, you know, at that point he was really having a hard time even starting on solid foods. Like fine motor stuff, little things like that started to emerge that I was noticing, oh, when I go out, I can see some of my other friends' kids at um, that age, because actually Carolyn Ruiz and my friends Carolyn Ruiz and I were pregnant at the same time, and our kids are, she has twins, 
another extraordinary mom for sure. Twins uh-huh. mom. Uh-huh. Um, she has, um, they were just about a week apart. So I could see how her twins were kind of developing and advancing. And I'm like definitely kind of a hippie mom. I'm kind of like, Oh, kids will learn their things in their own time and not like stuck too much on milestones. Um, but I started to have to acknowledge that he was falling behind on a lot of stuff. And I would go and talk to the pediatrician. I think one of the strange things is that I was really just hearing it's okay. Everything's sort of within range, sort of dismissive besides the fact that we had these GI issues going on and we were trying to fatten him up and make sure he was getting enough nutrition. The the milestones issues didn't seem to be bothering the pediatrician. And it was really not until after age one that I had to just listen to my mom instincts and just say, we have to go get him evaluated for these milestones that are falling behind because it was becoming more and more apparent. Like this is a 12 month old and he was barely just army crawling Mm -hmm. and he couldn't pick things up very easily with his hands. And he had a tremor in his hands and all of these little pieces of this, you know, the, the um, puzzle were still very new and kind of emerging, but I started to see, you know, this is something more than just, hey, he's kind of just figuring things out in his own time. Although that's a part of it now, I realize, mm-hmm. you know, with Kai, he, we, he does things on Kai time for sure. But <laughs> I like um, that, Kai time. <laughs> yeah, it really is. That's what we've really had to you know, sort of release is uh, with these expectations is Mm. Kai does things on Kai time and they always will emerge at some point, but, um, it's on Kai time for sure, which is funny because Kai is the Hawaiian name. And I always think about it being kind of the Aloha spirit. Like everybody who's been to Hawaii knows it's, you know, Hawaiians do things on Hawaiian time and on <laughs> in Aloha time, and so I'm kind of like it seems really appropriate for God. Yeah, and when you and when to you change that the, kind of a spirit too. <laughs> yes, and when you change the way you view it, instead of he's late, you know, or Hawaiians are late or whatever, and just say yes. they're just on their own timetable. You can't get mad at that. You can't get overly frustrated at that. You can just accept it is what it is. And that did that really help you to kind of accept where you were even before all the answers came? Yes, it really, it does take some of the stress off. Mm-hmm. And I think in general, as parents, we can put a lot of pressures on ourselves uh, yeah. to have things, to see things within a certain time frame. And I still have to always be remembering that, you know, now five years later, like it will come, it will emerge, what it will look like. We don't know necessarily. It may not always look like what other kids are doing, but it will come. That Those are the things that, you know, we can remind ourselves as parents, you know, of children who have developmental delays. Like, yes, at some point it will come. You know, we can kind of create sort of a, a zen attitude about it. But there's always in the back of your mind going to be that, oh, my gosh. Right. <laughs> When will it come? When will the first steps come? When will mama come and and emerge? And so, um, you know, it's kind of finding that balance. It's finding that balance and, you know, right. peace and, of mind to let things come as they, as they will. Right. And was there a part of you that had to accept 
maybe certain things will not come or will not come in the same way that you maybe once envisioned them to come, whether it's the walking or the speaking or in, in having a robust vocabulary. Is there kind of a yeah. grieving that happens with just kind of being okay with where you are right now and looking towards the next kind of inch stone instead of the, the big, you know, the big milestone? Yes. And I think that peace comes from, it takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes time to get there as a parent. It takes, you know, I mean, I'm, and it's not linear. So here's five years later, I'm feeling a lot more at peace about the way that those things come in their own time and the way, um, they, the inch stones emerge, but at sometimes I'm, cycling back into a grieving process of Mm -hmm. anger and frustration and sadness and, um, bargaining. I mean, all the, all of those, those, the cycle of grief that comes back in the, sometimes I'll finally land back into the acceptance. Like, okay, this is going to be, this is part of our journey. You see these inch stones coming as such a exciting Beyond, I mean, like, I think that's the really amazing thing about being a parent of a child who has developmental delays or special needs. Um, The inch stones, as you call it, I love that you use that word because Mm -hmm. that's a word often used in the special needs community, Mm -hmm. and it is absolutely accurate in describing what it feels like because those inch stones are just like beyond exciting it's so much cause for celebration when he does the smallest thing um I mean back then throughout this whole journey throughout the five years and even up until today it was like the littlest things can just get me so on top of the world excited for him and (laughs) we celebrate a lot we dance a lot in this house with every little in stone um, you know, kind of like these, uh, you know, touchdown dancing. Right, right, you did it! But it is, it's very exciting to see those things emerging when you haven't seen the progress come in a very natural, linear way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, still to this day, I'm, I feel that way. Um, but there is, it's, you know, I think there's constantly this um, cycle of grief then renewed acceptance in Uh, the journey and that's something I still still every single day you know sometimes it's months on end and sometimes it's day to day that I experience those cycles hey everyone I wanted to jump in just one last time to thank our other show sponsor and that is bloom Bloom is a monthly children's subscription box ranging from pregnancy to preschool. All the boxes are curated for your child's age and stage and continue to grow with your child as they get older. You can learn about must-have products from trusted brands, and each box contains a variety of items like books, feeding gear, toys, and even Bloom-exclusive products, making parenting easier. The Bloom promise is that you'll receive at least four items in a box, and subscriptions are as low as $27 a month for one year. It is such a fun gift, and my son loved getting his Bloom box in the mail, where we got a hat, a little pull froggy toy, and a new book. In addition, we got a great mat that we lay out at soccer games that we can sit on, perfect. Love discovering new fun products. 
So they want to give an offer just for our Extraordinary Moms podcast listeners. When you sign up for a 6 or 12 month subscription at bloom.com, that's B-L-U-U-M.com, you can receive a free box when you use EMP at checkout. So go ahead and give Bloom a try. Your child will love opening it up and seeing the excitement of all the fun goodies inside. So check out that special offer. Thanks again, Bloom. I really appreciate your vulnerability with sharing that it's not just a, a switch that you flip. It didn't change as soon as he got a diagnosis and you, you know, were able to kind of envision more what the future might look like. I know that it's so rare, so it's much more difficult for you to picture what the future would look like. But to realize that with each inch stone, with each new developmental thing you're working towards, with each new goal in school, you know, each IEP marker, you know, things like that, there's kind of... A, a process within each of those boxes that you're kind of trying to check off where you're working towards it and you're you're grieving the loss of one thing but then accepting it and, and it kind of is just a constant thing it's not just accepting my child has blank my child is yeah. such and such it's it's a constant thing with each new thing that you're facing and I never really thought of it that way before you know thank you for saying that because it it's it's important to me that that's like definitely part of what I can add to the conversation because I do feel like, again, you know, oh gosh, we just put so much pressure on ourselves yeah. as moms. And, yeah. <laughs> and this, maybe it's just this day and age, maybe it wasn't always this way, but I definitely think, you know, maybe it's because of the information age. We do have so much information at our fingertips and it can also create a lot of guilt about not living up to, you know, what I think is kind of an illusion of some other moms or parents who are doing everything that seems to be very, um, flawless and (laughs) not the hot mess that I see, feel like I find myself in, you know, from a day to day basis, but you know, we're right. We're kind of, this is the double edged sword of social media. It's such an amazing resource that I will talk, you know, a little bit more about too in our, you know, the, um, what it's meant to us in our, um, family and in, in the search for answers for Kai. And, you know, yet we can really compare ourselves a lot and say, well, this other mom out here seems to be handling it all so much more with grace. And then you really Mm. sit down and talk to that mom and they're like, Oh no, I'm also a hot mess mom. So don't even (laughs) like, here's the reality. That's what I love about your, your conversations. You're like, Oh, you can see really that the reality that we're all every day, you know, I might be in on one day. I'll, there's not an IEP or a meeting about Kai that goes by that I'm not going to have a complete and total meltdown afterwards and maybe be in a funk for a few days even, you know, Mm -hmm. just kind of like having to kind of pull myself back up by my bootstraps and say, here's where we are. Here's where Kai is. And that's okay. And we're, we're working through this. We're getting through it. Yeah. Um, together on Kai time. (laughs) Yes. And giving yourself that space and him that space to accept where you are now. And I think for somebody that does not have children with special needs, I don't always recognize you know, beyond the initial diagnosis when, you know, the family's learning a new normal, it doesn't mean that even when those factors that were initially difficult to get a little bit easier or a little bit more clear, there's always something new. And so continuing to check up and ask questions like, you know, Leah, what's keeping you up at night right now? You're four years down the pipe from when you first started this journey, but today 
you know, certainly there's things that have gotten easier, but there's still, I'm sure, things that are heavy on your heart. Like, so answer that question for me, Leah. What is keeping you up at night right now? I cannot even begin to tell you the amount of sleepless nights from that beginning of why are these, why is my son only army crawling at 12 months old to doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment, trying to find answers to the, and, and some answers just didn't seem like it fit. We initially have, uh, and you know, it's still, he, um, has enough criteria that he would meet, um, having, being on the autism spectrum. And, but that was the sort of the first answer that I got was being on the spectrum. It didn't seem to fit for Kai because he had such a desire for social interaction and such a desire. He made eye contact Mm -hmm. and there were just, there's, there was that big, piece of the criteria for autism that just seems like that's not the entire picture. That's maybe a piece, but that's not the bigger picture. So we spent, I spent tons of sleepless nights just wondering what was going on with him. And there is so much peace of mind that came. Of course, it was a bittersweet peace of mind that I knew we were looking for answers. We finally got the diagnosis of Cabeza syndrome, but I felt like, um, I just felt like so much more, I was sad to know that my son has a rare disorder. Obviously that was, you know, a shock to my system, but at the same time realizing like, okay, we now, we have something that explains everything. Now Mm. we can move forward. And that's one thing I don't lose sleep anymore over. What I probably do lose sleep over the most is the what ifs of the future that we just, I think all parents to some extent are going to worry about because we realize when we start this journey of motherhood that we don't have everything in control. Right. <laughs> Our little, these little people have little minds of their own and they have a little, their own little personalities and they have their own ways of that they see the world and explore it. And we realize, wow, there's a lot that's in my control, but there's so much more that's out of my control for the future. You can just only, you know, do the best you can to create the foundation for your child to be loved and secure and positive attachment. And then, you know, you just sort of, the rest is, are unknowns. And especially I think for parents of special needs and with Kai, I worry about what the future holds for him. Have I prepared enough for him? You know, if something happens to us, um, I don't want to leave everything on my daughter, Isla's shoulders in the future. Um, cause that's not fair to her. I worry about, you know, just some of the ugliness of the world that I think, again, all parents face, um, those concerns in bullying and children that, you know, have differences. I mean, I mean p- typical developing kids experience such cold hearted bullying and, you know, it's, it's very, it's becoming much more, um, discussed in our conversations, which is fantastic because bringing awareness to that is absolutely going to make changes. Um, but we, I think kids who are different are particularly vulnerable to that. And I'm still trying to figure out how to navigate all of that. 
Oh, my <laughs> eyes just welled up with tears when you said that because I'm picturing, you know, sending my kids off to school and the worries that I have for these, you know, confident kids yeah. seemingly that still face, you know, being left out, not being picked for a team, being called out for something, being made fun of. Yeah. But there's a difference in equipping them with comebacks, with confidence, with, you know, solidifying their identity in a way that maybe they can wrap their minds around more than maybe some of these, gosh, I'm crying, like, these, <laughs> these children that are more vulnerable, that maybe don't get it, that maybe are not equipped as well to stick up for themselves. And it just really reminds me that we're, we need to teach our kids better about how to not only stick up for themselves, but how to stick up for others that can't stick up for themselves. Yes, that is a huge piece of the puzzle. Yeah. I mean, and again, these conversations that you're bringing to light are part of that for other parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm crying, my voice is like... <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. That's what we do here. <laughs> yeah. All right, Barbara Walters. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Um, you know, having these conversations with, with one another and putting these podcasts out as you have, you know, it's... Yeah to have other parents of, you know, children who aren't experiencing these particular challenges to have their conversations with their own children, you know, and, ha and, you know, we're creating this, you know, more accepting, tolerant world by doing so, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I know a lot of people who are already, um, having those wonderful conversations and include us so much in yeah. play dates and, um, celebrations and that. And I sometimes I'm even apprehensive because on the surface, he looks very typical. If you were just to like see a picture of him, it would be hard to tell that much is going on. Mm. Um, or just very briefly, if you saw him, mm -hmm. but it doesn't take long before you realize that he's not able to verbally communicate and he's just, his interactions are a little bit more immature. So even again, these are things that I'm still trying to navigate because Kai is still young. He's five and he's not even in elementary school yet. Oh yeah. Talk about something else. I'm losing sleep over. He starts <laughs> kindergarten in the fall and I'm just like, Oh and that's hard enough for any mom, right? Exactly. Uh, like every, again, every parent I think faces like, you know, that kindergarten transition is so huge. Like to see him going off into an elementary school and thinking about that right now, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is going to be a completely different situation because we felt very cared for in our school district with the special needs preschool that he goes to. He's in a moderate to severe classroom, uh, disability classroom and has been since he started at age three. We're in public school and in, here in Southern California. And he, we're just very lucky to have some great schools. He's had some amazing teachers and, um, classroom aides. And so I'm definitely feeling like we're breaking out of this little bubble sure. <laughs> going into, into kindergarten and I I still again like I said maybe as people are listening to this podcast and if if there's other moms out there who have other ideas please contact me yeah. and just being able to know what to say to, uh, to other kids when they're recognizing his differences and he's not 
verbally communicating, we're starting to use a communication device on an um, iPad mini that's called Proloquo. Mm. And slowly but surely learning to use this program so that he can select pictures that represent things that he wants to say and then the device speaks for him. And so I'm hoping this will really help him and serve him throughout his life because the prognosis with many of the um the people affected with this disorder are is limited verbal communication if not completely nonverbal into adulthood Hmm. it just somehow this mutated gene affects language in a big way and so but that said it's like we're still learning this and i can see him wanting to engage with other children and he's out on a uh, playgrounds or something and he'll walk up and he'll just kind of screech or you know joyfully because yeah. he's really wants to you know just play and um I see him trying so hard to interact and then kids kind of look at him and recognize this is different and walk away or you know sometimes he's again because his play is kind of immature he'll throw things you know, at another child, yeah. I, th- I don't think he's trying to be mean. I think he's trying to just play the way he, and he gets overexcited. He'll yeah. sort of throw. And, um, you know, I don't, I just wish I had something really cool and concise to say to the children yeah. <laughs> that could help him, uh, you know, engage and for them to open. I mean, I'm still like, I feel like sometimes I'm stuck and paralyzed. Like yeah. I'm the one on the playground who's, you know, uh, like I'm, I'm still feeling very, um, raw when I see that happening to him. Mm. And I got to, you know, that's stuff I got to toughen up about because this is, this is going to be his life and his path and he needs me to be strong for him. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And as the other mom that might be at the park that sees a child striving to engage with my children, it's also our responsibility then to help them take that burden on to then kind of be the voice. Would you like to, you know, play in the sandbox with me? Would you like to, you know, let the other child be the voice? A couple other things that came to mind. So there's an Instagram account that I think you should follow called Skip to My Luca. And it is a mother who has a child with special needs who I think is about three or four years old, a little boy who's just darling. Um, and I, I don't know specifically his diagnosis, but he walks with a walker. And But she's also a special education teacher. And she is so well-versed in this. And her Insta stories are incredible. You need to watch. And just last week, she did a whole series on at the park, like when people ask you questions, you know? So a child might walk up to you or to your son and be like, you know, what's wrong with him? Okay. Yes. So you need, to be, you need to be ready with something to say back. And her comeback is, oh, nothing's wrong with him. He, you know, loves to play at the park just like you. His legs don't work quite like yours does. And so he walks with a walker. Do you see how this works, you know? And so creating a common bond and common ground first and then identifying what the child is referring to to kind of take out that question. Then if they have more questions, then that's fine too. But saying there's nothing wrong with him and saying, you know, why is he so weird? Oh, he's not weird. He loves to make sounds like a dinosaur, Do you like to make sounds like a dinosaur? You know, so things like that. The other thing that kind of popped into my mind, as long as he's nonverbal, is what if he was like the sticker kid and he had stickers that he could hand to a child as kind of an offering to make a connection? 
that's appropriate, that's kind. Who doesn't like a sticker, right? And Gosh, what if I love that. that could be kind of an extension of I want to be your friend without him having to verbalize that? I don't know. I just kind of pictured that what would that what my kids do if somebody reached out to them that way, they'd be pumped. You know, that would kind of be a great icebreaker. Yes. And I love that idea. And it is so, that is the piece that you said too about creating the common ground has been the factor that I have really sought to incorporate in his play with other kids too. Mm -hmm. You know, if this is a, there's another kid and it seems like they love water. Oh my gosh, Kai loves water too. Yeah. How can, you know, can you pour, like working together to pour some water onto these flowers or, you know, that, that finding those common grounds, which we all have, you know, to some extent with even, you know, with our similarities or differences, you know, no matter, everybody has something that they can connect on. Totally. And Gosh, I certainly love that sticker idea, too. That would be really fun. Yeah, totally. <laughs> because and he loves stickers. I would hope he would still want to give them away. No, he's pretty good about that stuff. <laughs> we'll say, like, really you get us. He loves a... being a little love, and, yeah. and I think he would think that was pretty cool. Right, and maybe at the beginning of the park day, you put a sticker on him, say, this is your sticker. Okay, we're going to find one other kid to give a sticker to. And so he knows that's a giveaway sticker, not his sticker that he's, like, losing. You know, yes. so that's so maybe, sweet. I love that. I don't know. Maybe it might be a good idea. Yes, and that's the, my next park trip. Okay, I'm stickers. <laughs> okay, let me know. Let me know. And the other thing is, I'm sure that in all the therapies and everything, you've learned so many great activities. Um, you know, whether it's sensory activities, rice in a bin, or water, or whatever. I'm sure that you have these things. You know, intentionally going on at your home inviting kids into your space in order to enjoy those same sensory type activities. Um, but their moms, like, I don't have a, a tub of rice at my house, but my kids would love to play with that, you know? Yeah. And so while it may be difficult for him to enter into the space of another friend or birthday parties that are overwhelming or whatever that looks like for his challenges, bringing people on your turf on your terms and doing things that really do suit his needs that they can be involved in, it would really open up the eyes of other parents to what is going on and what his needs are. And I mean, all kids can kind of bond over that, those types of play as well. Play-Doh, rice in a bin, water activities. How fun is that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially with summer coming, you know, those are definitely more available you know yeah. you can play outside and have make big messes and you're right the, right the, really the unifying factor of childhood is being messy yes and play <laughs> so yes learning through play get everybody and just you know hose them off at the end right exactly come over we're gonna, we're gonna paint no, I love that yeah we're gonna paint with shaving cream outside we're gonna draw with chalk outside and you know having parents feel more comfortable in everything and I'm and like you said you have a great supportive tribe and everything um so but just for other people listening having people be more aware of what your day-to-day looks like makes it less intimidating for them to know well should we invite them to the birthday party of course you invite them do they come it's up to them but you yes you invite yes you include um but empowering other parents to do that I think is huge and it just kind of normalizes it. Absolutely. So you went through years of not having the Cabeza syndrome diagnosis. Years of uncertainty, years of doctors, years of wanting answers and not getting answers or getting certain answers that didn't quite fit. 
speak to the mom today that is walking down a road of uncertainty. Maybe they do have a diagnosis, but they're unsure of the future. Maybe they're pending and not sure what's going on. Maybe they have a typical child that's just struggling and they are just feeling stuck. What would you say to that mom? You know, um, first of all, just following, like, following your instincts. Um, If you aren't getting the answers that satisfy you, don't be afraid to push back on the system and advocate for what your ch- you feel like your child needs, um, whether that be through uh, doctor's appointments, whether that be through therapies, whether that be through um, resources, you know, advocating and fighting for resources. I think, you know, listening to your instincts and continuing to push forward, it can be sort of, it's overwhelming and you can feel very defeated very easily and you're exhausted. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so sometimes when a doctor says, you know, this is about as far as we can go in, um, in our search, this is the answer. If that doesn't feel right, just continue to look forward. Mm -hmm. I think that genetic testing is going to be, a lot more accessible to people in the future. I mean, at least I hope so. It should be. Um, we were still on this cusp of finding answers where we did not, um, it was not going to be covered by our insurance, the, the whole exome sequencing when we got the diagnosis. We had to really fight for that and push for it and find a lab that would work with us. Hmm. And that was so exhausting and so devastating. But, you know, to do so really gave us those answers that have brought the peace of mind that um, we know now how to proceed in caring for Kai Hmm. and that we have been able to build community. I think to any parent out there um, and what you speak to a lot with the interviews in your podcast is just builds the community and don't be afraid to ask for help and ask other parents for advice Hmm. because this can be a lonely journey just in, you know, even as a parent of neurotypical children, um, you know, it can be isolating at times and even more so as a child, a parent of a child with special needs. So building that community, which is what, you know, I did with the work that I, um, didn't just reaching out and trying to find people through Facebook. Hmm. I created a Facebook page, um, for Cabezas syndrome after I was told that we did not have any, they could not find any other families that were affected by this disorder when we went through genetics. And I'm like, this is just crazy. (laughs) I already knew there was Facebook communities out there for everything under the sun. And that was, I had actually been a part of one of those communities when I just was for children with hypotonia, which is low muscle tone, um, leading to many of the, um, gross and fine motor skill issues. And I learned a lot from, those groups and I created a group for Cabeza syndrome and I just didn't really expect too much, but we've, I thought, gosh, just put it out there. And if somebody's searching for it, they'll find it. Hopefully I can connect with even another person. And now we've connected with like over 20 families around the world, like Australia and Holland and UK and Estonia and 
all over the U.S. We're kind of all spread out, like, as far as you could possibly be from one another in the U.S. But to have those other families even out there to just say, you're not alone. I totally am going through the same thing. And sort of bouncing ideas off one another. We're we're learning more from one another than we ever had learned from the doctors who are just still barely beginning to understand this syndrome Hmm. because it's, it's so rare. And so building that community has been invaluable to me. I just honestly can't imagine still fumbling around in the dark, not thinking that there was anybody out there who was going through the same thing as we were. And I've also, you know, again, to build community with the people that you're connected to and really reach out. I have made so many amazing friends um, through Kai's preschools that, and through therapies, like just sitting around in the waiting rooms day after day, (laughs) especially in the early years. Um, We share so much. I can go to this other mom and say, oh my gosh, do you know exactly what you should say to another kid on the playground who is looking at your child's or saying you're weird or whatever? And then they can say, similar to what you said, oh, here's some ideas that I had. Or also, I have no idea. I cry every time I get back in the car. Even just that's enough. Uh To have that voice of of a soundboard who knows exactly, you don't ever have to explain yourself. And Mm. I think that's so invaluable to have those those friendships and that community in every mother's life and every parent's life. Um, I think we're better together. We really need to lean on one another. And that's the beauty of social media is it brings this huge giant world where there's somebody in Australia, this beautiful mom in Australia who has really such a similar boy to me with Cabeza syndrome and I, we can share our stories together and lend support. Beautiful. And so that if you can't find what you're looking for in your own little community, reaching out on social media is just such an amazing tool now Yeah, I to bring love, the world a little closer. I love that proactivity on your part. And I bet they're so thankful to you for being proactive and starting that. What a relief, I'm sure, when they Googled that and found you. Oh, I can't even imagine. That's amazing. Thank you, because, you know, I I kind of think back to when I was first looking out there and I was like, there was nothing. And then one of the other moms just a few months ago who found the page said that her geneticist actually directed her to the Facebook page, which I was like, Yes, exactly. (laughs) Can you imagine getting that diagnosis and then going immediately, you're not alone. Immediately you have other people who are on that same journey with you and who are, um, who, who are walking that same path. And then it was really cool the other day, two of the families are in the UK and they're really about like an hour or so away from each other. And they were able to meet and they're, their families met and the boys met who are really similar in age. And I'm just like, now people are able to also meet each other in person if that's available. So incredible. I just, I don't know. It feels exciting to me that people immediately have a resource where they're not feeling that fear and loneliness and isolation that I first felt when, 
we heard, nope, sorry, there's nothing out there that is available to you that we can connect you to anybody else. Yeah. It's like, I'm not accepting that. (laughs) (laughs) And what I love so much is that some people think if they're not reaching the thousands, then, you know, what is their platform even worth? You have a Facebook group serving 20 families and these 20 families, this is their lifeline. So do not underestimate the power of even connecting with one other person, sharing your story and having that be a lifeline, a support, an encouragement, something validating to one other person. It does not matter how many people you are reaching. It matters the one. The one truly does matter. The 20 matter so much. Yes. Thank you for saying that, Jessica, because especially in the rare disease communities, that is what we're looking at right now. Mm -hmm. You know, many, we're not the only ones. There's so many people who are given a diagnosis because we can find these things out now, but some of these rare conditions, it may just be a couple of people finding one another. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, like you said, you know, there's sort of a a more is more mentality, probably, especially in some social media circles or, you know, um, like followers and stuff like that. And it's like to just even touch one life in this world is special, important and meaningful and absolutely enough. And, you know, this is what we're all the people that I've connected with. We've all, are providing for one another, Mm. you know, just in our small little community to think that, you know, we have been alone and then to find now 20 people like, (laughs) whoa, yeah, blows your mind. (laughs) This is so cool from across the world and everybody has, you know, there's so much that we all have in common with our, our children and learning from some of the people that have older children. So it is, it's, you know, I think for everybody never underestimate you know, the power of what one person, you know, one voice can do because you're really like with what you're doing, you, you start conversations, you reach out, you never know the lives that you're changing by having these different voices and different experiences of different moms on your podcast to be able to hear these different voices and recognize ourselves in them and feel like we're not alone. You get it. You get it. Absolutely. I could not agree more. We haven't even talked very much about you You recently going back to work, but will you briefly just tell us you went back to work recently and now you're supporting couples of children with special needs. How has your journey and now being able to give back to other families who don't have the same diagnosis as you, but have who get it? You can empathize with them in a way that many other therapists, social workers, that we just can't. What has that been like for you? Um, you know, this is something that is just really exciting for me. I'm very was much was nervous to get back to work after, you know, I had to take some time off just due to the level of needs that Kai had. Um, as a marriage and family therapist, I had worked previously in um, domestic violence agency, nonprofit agency called Laura's House amazing work that they do there, but I left my job that I loved so that I could really hone in on focusing on Kai. And so I'm going back to work in private practice now, um, because I can make my own hours. So I'm actually like jumping back in as a businesswoman. I'm like, Whoa, this is like really (laughs) so much to take in. But like, I, I really am excited to offer 
the services that I feel like I would have needed or that I really still need often in supporting families, individuals and couples um, with the very unique challenges that come with raising a child or children with special needs. It's um, just like with any parent when you are feeling extremely exhausted and taxed, you know, we're vulnerable to um, the depression and anxiety that comes from those, those stresses. And I think, you know, in particular, children of special needs and the, um, the variables that come in, the, you know, the unanswerable questions that come with parenting that, um, that child, um, can just really create a lot of overwhelm and a lot of, of stress and, mm. and can lead to, to, you know, more pervasive um, concerns like depression. And it certainly can take a toll on marriage and relationships too. Um, I know there's some like scary statistics out there about like divorce rates among special needs parents that I don't really need to even get in because who needs that negativity, but it's hard. It's really hard. You know, not always parents are on the same page with the way that, um, to proceed with parenting or, or treatment. There's no real, you know, special needs parent handbook that like Mm -hmm. has a one size fits all parenting model. Um, so it can be, it's, you know, the strain, the stress, you know, I have experienced it even in my own life and my own marriage. And, you know, we've been lucky to really be able to have strong communication and get through some of those really challenging times. But I really am hoping to um, support parents out there so that they don't have to navigate it on their own and um, providing marital counseling and individual counseling, as well as hopefully what I can envision in the future are some groups where we can create um, community, just as we were talking about, between um, moms or dads or even siblings of children with special needs and um, being able to really have that connection to speak with other people who really get it. Um, so it's really exciting. I'm very excited about the work that I am, uh, moving forward with and, uh, for for anyone interested in Southern California, my, um, website is leahlewistherapy.com and, um, you can learn a little bit more about my practice as well as some of the upcoming groups that I'll be forming. Incredible. I'll link to everything on extraordinarymomspodcast.com as well. So people can check you out. What? a service to give people. And I love that this journey that you've been on personally has really shaped your new mission in life and your ability to contribute in even a higher way than you ever have before. I think that's really a beautiful thing and a great reminder to people that feel tasked and just stressed out by what they've been dealt. You just never know how it can be used for good in this life and for others as well. I love that. I love that reframe because I think that that's what, you know, can move us forward in our own lives. You know, when we're feeling pretty hopeless to, if we're feeling like we can't show up in life for ourselves, sometimes showing up in life for other people is what gets us through. Yes. Yes. And it's important you get back to being able to be whole yourself, but stepping outside yourself, maybe 
you know, in, in the very beginning stages where you just feel paralyzed, it always feels better to be able to show up for somebody else. This has been such a valuable conversation for all of us today. For the moms of children with special needs, that this has given them a lot of validation and hope hearing your journey. And for moms of neurotypical children, it's given us a lot more perspective on how we can support moms like you. Thank you so much, Jessica. You are so awesome. I always ask my guests just one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? You know, dogs are nice. Maybe (laughs) (laughs) dogs instead. No, just kidding. (laughs) I love this. I love being a mom. I'm very happy. And I think what I would probably actually tell, tell myself is you are stronger and more capable than you can even imagine. And you can, I think there's, um, there's a great speaker who I love and she's an author, um, Glennon Doyle. She's like a mom blogger too. Many Mm -hmm. people are familiar. And she says, you can do hard things. And I'm, that's always, sometimes if I'm just like completely otherwise overwhelmed and have no way through it, I just use that little mantra. You can do hard things. And I think that's what I would probably tell my, my self then and now. Yeah. Yeah. We have to tell ourselves every day, (laughs) every single day and sometimes every minute. Yes. I know. I know. Leah, I just want to acknowledge you for how extraordinary you are. Thank you so much for coming on today, for sharing your journey, for being willing to share what that uncertainty was like, to share the process of working through grief. I think it's going to be so valuable to so many listening today. I know that I have so much food for thought, and I just want to acknowledge you for what an extraordinary mom you truly are. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you for giving me the chance to talk with you today. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Isn't Leah just amazing? I really was struck so much when she was talking about how the initial struggle with the diagnosis and the things that were initially hard, while those things have gotten easier over time, there's always new things that come about. And as a friend, as somebody that wants to be a good friend, to other moms of children with special needs, to all moms, really. We have to recognize that at any given spot in this motherhood journey, there's always going to be something that we're working on, that we're wrestling with, that we're struggling through. And sometimes we just need a hug. (laughs) And we want to be seen and known for the hard work it is to be a mom. So that just, that really got me thinking, and I hope it did for you as well. You can see pictures of Leah and her cute family on ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com and you can check out her therapy resource link there as well. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at JessicaDahlquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Coming up next week, we'll be doing a revisit with a past guest and so you can look forward to that. Thank you so much for leaving reviews, for sharing the show. It means so much to me, to the show, as more moms are able to hear these incredible conversations with these extraordinary moms. So thanks for tuning in today and we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.